This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Oh, the Brooklyn Nets get the win, and the Pistons fall short once again. 118 to 112 is our final. I don't know how you can spin that positively. Maybe that it was a six-point loss, but it was the 27th straight loss for the Detroit Pistons. 97 won the ticket in Detroit on the call. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein with you here on Unsportsmanlike, sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle on this historic Wednesday morning. We're talking we about losing karaoke. streaks. We sang karaoke, which if you're going to listen to the podcast version of Unsportsmanlike, whether you get that at Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, we can't put the music into the podcast there's licensing issues with that so if you if you hear us it might sound a little bit rough without that music bed of neil diamond playing underneath it but we appreciate you listening nonetheless yeah otherwise um, it would have sounded wait, a great little, a little rough, it would have sounded great because there would have been music that we were singing too and sometimes that just masks the awfulness of our voices right i don't I, think anything was masking that okay no, well you guys yeah, are all yeah, poor was- sports I mean, we 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 destroyed our produ- we destroyed our producer Pat, who again refused to sing. But we also, I think, we broke his brain. Yeah, well, it was probably already broken to begin with. You know what else was already broken before last night? The Detroit Pistons will to win a basketball game. They drop to <laughs> two and twenty eight on the season. They have a losing streak that is of historic proportions in a single season. Tomorrow night, when they play at the Boston Celtics. I guess I would say they're going for the overall record or to tie the overall record, which is 28 straight losses. The Philadelphia 76ers, right, as they were beginning the process, uh, they had a losing streak that spanned from the 2014-15 season into the 15-16 season. Those were, of course, the uh, early years of Joel Embiid when he was injured for the first two seasons of his career. But history once again on the line for this Detroit Pistons team. I want you to hear what it sounded like Inside of the arena last night, this was a night that Cade Cunningham dropped 41 points on 15 of 21 shooting, and they still lost. Bally Sports Detroit had this going on in the background. You can hear it as clear as day. Hit it. There's Cade. Yeah, it looks like Bridges flicked it. Bridges flicked it and redirected it, and I don't know if Cade last touched it or not, but that's a big Big loss of possession. Sell the team. Sell the team. I'm like, I'm chanting with them, and I'm not a Pistons fan. I have no vested interest in You have become a Pistons fan. Javante has rubbed off on you. It's so unfortunate that this is the spot that the Detroit Pistons find themselves in when there's finally some goodwill in the city of Detroit because the Lions just locked up the NFC North. They're going to the playoffs first time since the 2016 season, but obviously a much different team and much different feel around this Lions team, but it stinks that you can't have two things happening simultaneously where the Pistons are so, 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 so bad, and then the Lions are where they are. I feel for Detroit Detroit fans in a city that when those teams are good, granted not having them all at once seems to be a common theme, but that's a great, Mike, you know this, you were there oh, for yeah. a long time, that's a great sports city. It, it really is. Well, is. Even when the teams are losing, people are still at those games. You've got to give Pistons fans or the pe- masochists is what we'll call them for going to that game. You've got to give them credit for at least showing up. That you do, and they are among the most loyal fans in sports, uh, Detroit sports fans, uh, without question. I mean, when I covered the Lions for eight seasons, it, it was rough. They had 
three winning seasons of those eight. They reached over 10 wins once, and that was in 2014. And it, it was bad. But you know what? Ford Field, more often than not, even in like the nadir of the Matt Patricia era, they still showed up. They were still there. They were still, in a lot of ways, hopeful. Now, Lions fans are not Pistons fans because there's more history with the Lions, of course, than with the Detroit Pistons, originally the Fort Wayne Pistons. But there is still some level of intrigue and interest there. I, I, will, I was the one who started the like Detroit can't have more than one nice thing at once mm-hmm. thing this morning, Courtney. But I will backtrack a little bit because Michigan, of course, is in the college football playoff. We're going to talk a bit about Michigan in about 10 minutes or so. But the Wings are coming back. They went through a mini rebuild. And they're at, right now they would be, I believe, hanging around the playoff picture. Uh, potentially, um, depending on how that would shake out. Uh, they, they're certainly not out of it, which is good for them. They are, uh, I guess, uh, about, looks like, you know, three points out. So they're definitely in the playoff picture, which would be good for the, the city as well. But the Pistons, they might, be elim- they might be eliminated from the playoff picture before the NHL All-Star game. Isn't that crazy? Before their own All-Star game well, in yeah. February, which well, is... Well, the, the NHL All-Star game's first. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is a good point. That be, But, it, like, you know, compared to their own season, the halfway point is February, right around Valentine's Day. They could be out of this in January. And I was looking oh, yeah. up their schedule earlier, just trying, trying to find a win for them coming up. So December 30th, they play the Raptors. They're 11 and 18, so maybe it's that one. Um, mm. Feels like their best bet's probably against the San Antonio Spurs. Like they're a, speaking of a young team, we talk about Cade Cunningham, Jade Nivey, the the group that Monty Williams is trying to lead out of this losing streak. San Antonio is the youngest team in the league. Of course, they've got Victor Wembanyama. They may have thirty four losses though. Detroit by the time that they end up hosting yeah. the Spurs on January tenth, and then. The Wizards come to town. I mean, they stink. They're five and twenty-four. So maybe, maybe (laughs) all of a sudden, January sparks some sort of life into this team. But it's for a group that has gone through rebuild after rebuild. So it seems every couple of years, and then they they fire Dwayne Casey. They bring in Monty Williams. Six years, over seventy-eight million dollars on that contract. This Mm. is not just on players not executing. This is Monty Williams, like as responsible as anybody else for them being in this hole that they keep digging. Yeah. I mean, he, he there's just a failure for him to connect with these young players. That That's what it comes down to as much as anything, because the talent I, I'm just going to sound wild, Courtney, but the young talent and Tom Gores, their Pistons owner, you've been kind of hinted at this. The young talent is there. Mm-hmm. They have a star in Cade Cunningham that nobody knows really, uh, unless you paid attention to college ball, because he's playing in Detroit. Isaiah Stewart and Andy was play. injured too. Right, he was in injured career. also, but again, he's on a two-win team like that. You're not going to get much attention on a two-win team. We're not talking much about Wemby right now either, uh, because the Spurs are really bad. So that's part of it. But there's other players, other you know guys in that rotation that mm-hmm. you say, okay, they could be good. And then they have a guy who I don't understand why they don't use more in James Wiseman that you think would be used more. By the way, we were talking about the playoff situation. They are right now 10 and a half games. No, I'm sorry. 11 and a half games out of the last play in spot. 
It is December 27th. Plus 50,000 to win the uh, Larry O'Brien trophy <sighs> this year. Thank you again for that stat, Pat. It is um, it's making my morning. You hinted at this, though, Mike, what Tom Gores had to say, yeah. and I want to listen to this. He came across almost as delusional when he was delivering a message to Pistons fans to remain patient, to not think that this is the end of the world because of the way the team's constructed, but his logic that he had in this Bally Sports Detroit interview doesn't make a lot of sense. We have a good core. We have a good foundation. We have these, all these young players, and we have flexibility. So we have to not panic and do the right thing, execute, and have urgency. So that's our, that's our balance. You know, we have to thread the needle to create urgency, create change because we're not where we need to be. But don't, don't ruin the, the ship, the boat here. It's, it's pretty good. Could, could that change? Maybe I'm crazy here, but could that change be trading Cade Cunningham? Like, it does not. I know he's talking Why? about, but like, he's talking about threading the needle. Like, at some point, you've got to say, okay, this, this is a wash for this team right now. Like, pack it up and start thinking about the 2024-25 season, which is so wild to think about because it is December 27th. I don't see a turnaround in sight. Nobody's given us a realistic path to getting there other than saging Little Caesars Arena, which I don't know if that's, that's your idea. That's my you, idea. You and the pizza. Because nobody idea. else has come up with a plan to get them out of this rut. Like, you know, why waste this, this prime of Cade Cunningham, the early part of his career where he's finally healthy, when you have a guy who's dropping 41 points, nine rebounds, five assists last night, and it's not enough. He had 37 points in the second half. He did his job by the trade deadline in February – if they're still in this spot, which it feels like it's almost a lock that they will be, why wouldn't you try to move some assets to start thinking about the direction that you go next offseason? And maybe that's a direction change within the front office by the players that you're picking to bringing in here. They've got a talented core right now, but that core is going to be another year older in, in the 2024-25 season. At some point, when things are this bad, you've got to think about like a massive reboot and pulling the plug out from what you have currently even though for Pistons fans, I know that's probably uncomfortable because it feels like they've gone through this quite a bit within the last decade. Well, Tim, that, that doesn't compute in terms of trading Kate Cunningham. You have him under contract for next season. He's a restricted free agent to the, after next season. So you can match that. And if you're the Pistons, why wouldn't you unless he comes in and demands a trade? Sure, you'll get assets, but all you're doing is starting over again. And... At some point, you need to have someone to build around. Something to build around. Cade Cunningham looks like he can be a star, but what's he supposed to do when he doesn't have a ton around him? It's clearly not working with the head coach. I'm not, Courtney, to go back to Tom Gores for a second, I'm not somebody that advocates the whole selling the team thing, what the the fans were talking about. Mm -hmm. But since Tom Gores has taken over, this has not been a good franchise. Because he doesn't at all. Care. I mean, this is this is a franchise that mortgaged for to get Blake Griffin, right? And that was essentially to get a name in some ways. Now Blake could still play a little bit, but he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, and that was a end, it was much really different part of his career. That wasn't Clippers right. Blake Griffin. That he was... could still, yeah, he could still play, but he wasn't Blake Griffin like the the All Star, the potential Hall of Famer. He was Blake Griffin. A guy who, when he was healthy, was still good, but mm-hmm. not great. But you did that in some ways to get excitement around the team. And it put them in a spot where it delayed a reboot 
for a couple of years because you were just good enough to pl- be like the eight seed. This is before mm-hmm. the play-in tournament. Like, and that was to- really, in some ways, Tom Gore is trying to you know, get some ROI, and then you decide to blow it up. You bring in Dwayne Casey. You're committed to this thing, and then you move on from Dwayne Casey, and you bring in a guy who's a much better coach to deal with veterans mm-hmm. than a young team on a young team. It just... I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to do, but th- I, if you really want to shake things up, maybe you look at, you know, starting all the way at the top. And that would require the absent owner caring about this team. You heard that delusional statement that he made pleading with fans to not panic. How can you not possibly panic if you're a Pistons <laughs> fan, if you're still out there, a you fan of this up, team? I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can, you can, you can give up on your team, but like, the reason I, I don't think the Pistons would ever go for trading Cade Cunningham, but a team like the San Antonio Spurs right now when you're trying to build around Victor Wembanyama, Cade Cunningham has no shooters around him. At least when he gets to, if he were to get down to San Antonio, he'd be on a team that would be doing right by him and his future, something that the Detroit Pistons cannot say the same for. We'll leave it here. Alabama, Michigan, Texas, and Washington. That are the, Those are the four teams in the college football playoff. We are just days away from the semifinals happening on New Year's Day. Who's going to walk away the champion in college football this year? We discuss next here on Unsportsmanlike, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors... You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com morning, code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Michigan and Alabama, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Michigan's been here before. They have not won this. Alabama's been here before. They have won this. You're going to have probably the two teams that people love to hate the most. This is why you come to Michigan. They've only had their head coach for what, like four games this year? He's missed six. All year long, everybody has said what this Alabama team was not. And all they've done is continue to win, continue to stick together. 
For me, it's all about bragging rights. The Big Ten, the SEC. One week from right now, we will have the results of the CFP semifinals. We'll be gearing up for the national championship, which takes place a week from this coming Monday. So on January 8th, it's on Sportsmanlike, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Rothstein, pleased to welcome in Paul Feinbaum, who joins us courtesy of Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. And as we size up these matchups, Paul, and starting with the CFP semifinal at the Rose Bowl game presented by Prudential, it's a mouthful, um, Alabama and Michigan. If Jalen Milrow, the version that we saw the month of November going into that SEC championship game, if you get that version of him after these couple weeks off, can Michigan stop him or is that going to be too much to contain? I don't think they can stop that version. And now uh, I think the ultimate question in this game is, you know, will that same Jalen Milrow still be uh, active and running? Because you know, he was very streaky at the beginning of the year. Everyone knows that story. But he was spectacular down the stretch, especially uh, in the game that, that mattered most, uh, the Georgia game. So I, I think that would be uh, really an impossible task uh, for what we I think we all agree is probably the best defense in the country now. If we get any version other than that, then then Michigan is in very good shape in this game. Paul, flipping that to the Michigan side of things, obviously there's been so much conversation around Michigan and a lot of things off the field and on the field that turned into off-field stuff with Jim Harbaugh. Is there any concern that some of this could end up being distraction for them, especially since there's, again, conversations about Harbaugh and the NFL and a new contract and all that? I think it's a very legitimate question, but considering this season began in turmoil, it ended in turmoil uh, in terms of the regular season, I, I don't see how any of this really matters to, to this program right now. They, they played six games uh, w- without the head coach uh, and really uh, perhaps the most important game of the year. So, I mean, they almost seem impenetrable when it comes to Harbaugh. Uh, you know, you, you always wonder, though, uh, when you have three weeks off, you just don't know what, what happens, especially nowadays when there are so many uh, added distractions to players with, with, with NIL and the portal and all these things that don't, don't matter as much to these two schools because of the, the setting they're in next Monday. Uh, but but, but I, 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 think Michigan, I think Michigan is perfectly fine uh, with, with, with this controversy. I mean, they're, they're built for it. I, I was going to say, is it almost – possible that they maybe are more comfortable in perceived chaos at this point than if everything was fine and nothing was going on? Well, after all, and you remember Jim Harbaugh made this declaration about, about eight weeks ago that they are America's team. So um, whatever, whatever that means in relation to the current state of America, which I, I've always uh, had a, a varying degree in my, 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 my basic seventh grade civics, but uh, I, I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, this, this team likes uh, the attacks on them. I think they thrive on it. Harbaugh uh, is built like that. He is not a status quo person. He is, he is it's truly amazing when you consider all the things that, that many of us don't like about Jim Harbaugh. What I do like is the fact that he has done it really in in the old fashioned way, three years in a row. That's hard to do uh, to to be in the playoffs three years in a row and and to be in this position, Uh, especially doing it uh, unconventionally. And, And there's no way you can look at, two weeks ago at 
at the uh, national or last week at the national signing day and and say Michigan looks like Alabama or Georgia or even Ohio State, the team that they have vanquished three years in a row. Paul Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show, weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern time on SEC Network and also on the ESPN app, joining us here on Unsportsmanlike. And there was a point in this season early on for Nick Saban where there were people willing to maybe think that this was the end for him, that this would be his last season coaching the Alabama Crimson Tide, maybe his last season coaching college football. Of course, after that Texas loss, this was a different Alabama team that works its way into the SEC championship and wins the conference this year. Watching this team as closely as you have, what do you think, aside from that Texas game, was there a turning point here that sparked this run that they went on? Well, what's amazing is that a week after the, ter- the uh, Texas game, which was on September 9th in Tuscaloosa, Alabama actually reached low ebb of the entire Nick Saban tenure. And you know, we're talking about six national championships at Alabama. He won one at LSU. He's, he's lost three other times uh, in the title game. So, I mean, we're talking about something uh, never before seen. Um, and it was against South Florida when Jalen Milrow did not play in the game. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knew what in the world was going on. The, the reports were that he had, uh, you know, had a bad attitude, which I could understand, and uh, he was benched. The narrative changed after that. Uh, if, you, if you went to uh, Tuscaloosa today uh, and, and asked uh, 100 Alabama fans, they would all tell you Nick Saban did this by design. Uh, he didn't, by the way. Uh, he simply was trying to figure out uh, why his quarterback play was so bad, and he got down to the third-team quarterback. But ultimately, the next game, uh, which was, I believe, against Ole Miss, Milrow was back. Uh, he wasn't great, uh, but he had, he was the only choice. Uh, remember, Tyler Butler came over from Notre Dame with Tommy Reese. Uh, they had a freshman, uh, Ty Simpson. Milrow was, was, became the, the starting quarterback again, uh, and that's really the turning point. But, you know, for anyone who says that they thought this team could survive that moment, uh, they're wrong. I mean, I, I, I was right there uh, every, every moment of, of this Alabama season. It, it looked over. Uh, you really couldn't get odds that Alabama would be playing in the Rose Bowl or, or, or the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. Uh, and, you know, to, to, to Nick Saban's credit, uh, what really happened was that they survived. Uh, they had at least six games after that, uh, the next week against Ole Miss, they had a, against Tennessee and LSU and Texas A&M and Auburn, uh, and ultimately against Georgia, where they were they really went to the uh, they were tested to the crucible, uh, and you know the, the history of this team is well known. I mean they they were a ninety nine point nine percent chance of losing to Auburn, and they pulled the miracle out. They they had other moments uh, where they, they were down fourteen seventeen. Uh, I've never seen a Nick Saban team that look this average, but also uh, be this resilient. We're talking to Paul Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show on ESPN. And, Paul, I want to look at the other college football playoff semifinal, the All-State Sugar Bowl, Texas-Washington. Not, maybe not as much attention getting paid to this game because you have kind of the, you know, the, the marquee names in Alabama and, and Michigan in, in that first game. But when you look at what Washington has done this year, the fact that they've won all of these close games – it would feel like that might be a benefit in this scenario if it ends up being tight. I think it should. Uh, and, and again, uh, you know, how they survived the first uh, Oregon game, I, I'm, I'm still not really sure uh, <laughs> because they were completely outplayed. And I think most people watching thought Oregon 
was the better team. But they kept, they, you know, they're, they're a little bit like Alabama. Uh, it doesn't hurt that Michael Penix Jr. is a quarterback, and, and they have a, a really good line and and a, and, a, and a coach that isn't particularly well known, but but has certainly emerged among the elite coaches in college football. On the other side, I mean, te- Texas uh, at at times during the season was very beatable. Uh, I mean, they were down uh, to their their last gasp a few times too. But uh, and but, but even in the in the one loss against Oklahoma, which is a good team by no means elite, uh, they they were able to bounce back. And and what they always had though was was that Alabama win in their back pocket, and, and that's how they got in the playoffs. Uh, and and that's really why I, I still say I think they're a little bit better than Washington, although you were splitting hairs here. Um, but you know, Ewers uh, has always been that quarterback that when he plays at the highest level, uh, he can lead that team, put put them on on his back. You know, pick your cliche. Uh, they they lost their their running back early in the year, which I think hurts them a little bit. But but overall, uh, Texas looks a hair better than Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Hey, Paul, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. It was my pleasure, guys. Thank you. That's Paul Feinbaum, host of the Paul Feinbaum Show, weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Network and over on the ESPN app. Kalen DeBoer, as he had mentioned, maybe still a relatively unknown head coach, at least to the na- in a national perspective, but he did just win the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award for what he did, getting Washington its most wins in school history, the Pac-12 championship, and into the college football playoff. They will be facing Washington, Texas, at- Texas against Washington CFP semifinal game, All-State Sugar Bowl. It's January 1st, 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And before that, you've got the CFP semifinal at the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential. January 1st, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can hear that right here on ESPN Radio and then go watch it over on ESPN. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app as always presented by Progressive Insurance. Straight ahead, switching gears into the NFL. Did Justin Fields get a fair chance in Chicago? Mike and I discuss next after he has this from O'Reilly. Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery free of charge. If your battery needs to be replaced, their professional parts people can help you find the best superstar battery for your vehicle and budget. Make sure your vehicle is ready for the weather ahead by getting your battery tested for free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bought, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty. 
Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallman. Michelle Smallman. Reading is cool, Evan. Chris Canty. If you're reading at least one book a month, isn't that a sign of elitism? Evan Cohen. I thought Catcher in the Rye was a baseball book. Did Canty say it's a sign of being an elitist? Is that yeah. did I hear that correctly? If you so read I, one book a month, I I, I I try to read one a week, Courtney. I guess I'm the elite of yeah. I'm about to then. say you're like the ultra elitist here. Yeah, sorry, Canty. That. You read a book a week? I try to. Who has the I time to be, do? How fast of a reader are you? Like can I can you, be a pretty quick reader. It ends up being probably one book every two weeks. But in the off season, I'll read a book a week for sure. You yelled at me about not having a microwave because you didn't have any time to spend, but you read a book a week. Got it. Are you an audiobooks guy? I have a microwave, Pat. You're the one without a microwave. Yeah, I'm saying you said you needed the microwave for convenience because you didn't have a lot of time on your hands, but now you're just sitting around reading full-blown books for... He's he's choosing to educate himself. I'm I'm choosing education over, uh, over cooking, yeah. Do you, are you an audiobooks guy, Mike? Or do I, you do... I become, because, Courtney, because of our friend Sarah Barshop, who covers the Rams for us here at ESPN, I've become more of an audiobook person. Mm-hmm. I'm doing more nonfiction audiobook, fiction, uh, regular book now with the occasional fiction book in there. I do post every year on January 1st or 2nd the books I've read the prior year as book lists. So, you know, hopefully that will help. I know, I've, Courtney, I've you, seen, you started I've seen a book your... club. No, I didn't start a book club. <laughs> Some people say I have been involved in a pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> do you remember, by the way, it's Unsportsmanlike, Courtney Cronin, and that's Mike Rothstein. <laughs> We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Yeah. All right. She was creating a book pyramid. No, I didn't create this. I just willingly participated in this. Do you remember about a month ago, right around Thanksgiving, there was this this like post on Instagram that people were sharing on their stories about how it's like, if anybody's interested in joining a book club, message me for details. Like you, you could get up to like 36 books if this thing got passed around the right number of times. And, oh, I saw you posting about this. Yes. And I was like, okay, like this, this sounds like a fine idea. Like I'd like to get some books. And actually I'm in my living room right now. One, two, three, I had six books total from this thing. So, but like somebody who works for the bears asked me in the media room one day, like, is this like the Ray-Bans thing? Did you get hacked? Do you guys remember the Ray-Bans pyramid scheme yeah. during COVID? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I wasn't familiar with it at the time, but apparently it was like you could eventually get free Ray-Bans by sharing some posts. And it's basically like you you buy something, you give money to somebody, and then they give that money to somebody else. Like It was basically how this how this book thing works. So it wasn't a book club. It was you share this post, then you get somebody's information sent to you. You then like put their information at the top. Yours is at the bottom, and it's supposed to like share in succession based on who gets your information. Then you pass on their information, the next person, so on and so forth. So I ended up with Viola Davis's um, her her memoir. This book called Midnight Library. I'm looking at it over it's there. It's a great book. It's in my bookshelf. You can see it right up there. Um, what is this other one? Like the Nightingale, which apparently is a very popular uh, historical fiction book. There are two more over there. There's one that was like um, the, the genre is like the absurdism, kind of like Albert Camus, which was the book that I gave. Albert Camus is The Stranger, which was one of my favorite books I read in college. But yeah, I guess I didn't realize it was kind of a pyramid scheme. So hopefully I don't. <laughs> I don't think I've committed any crimes here. It's not like a Ponzi scheme by any stretch. I didn't, you know, corrupt anybody or, you know, take money from people. But I, 
I do have a couple of new books. I will not read one a week, Mike. I'm a slow reader. That's Probably fine. not too Every... shocking, but it uh, okay. it takes me a while to consume and to like sit down and be able to actually parse through a book. But I I will make it a goal. To, I always make it a goal to read more the next year, and I don't really do resolutions, but I just have like goals for myself. So that will be on my 2024 goal list once. Who knows? Who knows what my week 18 is going to bring? Is it going to bring a coach firing? And if that happens, is that an inevitability that the Chicago Bears, a team that I cover for ESPN's NFL Nation, is, are moving on from Justin Fields? Like, that is the big question that we've been talking about for months and months and months. And there's two games remaining this season. He's coming off a dual threat performance that saw him pass for 170 yards, rush for nearly 100 against the Arizona Cardinals in a win for the Bears. And those numbers are not to the liking of some people, but Fields had this to say when he was asked about his stat line and whether he's okay hovering around these figures as long as his team gets a win. I mean, I'm cool with whatever as, as long as we get as long as we win a uh, game. To be honest with you, so shoot, if I have 100 passing yards with zero touchdowns, zero thing, and we get the win, I'm cool with that. I know people people love stats, and so he only did like I don't care. We won the game, so yeah, as long as we win, I'm not really a numbers guy. All I know is one went up in the win column today, so and that's all I care about. He hasn't had that many 300 plus yard passing games, and that's how the question. I was in that room when that when it was asked. That's how it was phrased to him. Like if you hover around 200 yards passing. 100 yards rushing is that a sustainable way to win games going forward he very clearly has something that very few quarterbacks outside of Lamar Jackson can can demonstrate on a a regular basis which is the dynamic playmaking ability with your legs so why wouldn't you tap into that like if you have an offense that doesn't have that skill set built in or something that will placate to that skill set built into your scheme then you're misusing Justin Fields but the question that the Bears have to answer as far as what they do at the quarterback spot next year is thinking, is that skill set worth keeping him around, passing up drafting Caleb Williams, and building around Justin Fields, knowing that you might not get those big 300, 400-yard passing games for him on a routine basis, or, or really ever. He's never thrown for 400 yards in the NFL. But can you win this way? It's an inconsistent answer to an unresolved question, Mike, that I don't think they're going to learn much more the final two games of the season. I could be wrong, but to me, I feel like the decision is probably whoever's going to be making it at Hallis Hall in a couple of months has probably already been made on Justin Fields. Yeah, well, the question will be who's making the decision. It Great. starts there. Is it? Ryan we take Poles? it. We get one step closer to getting there. Uh, figuring out what happens on week eight after week yeah. eighteen. Yeah. Is it Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus? Is it Ryan Poles and somebody else? Is it a whole new deal altogether? I, I don't think that that would be the answer in terms of a whole new new deal altogether because general managers usually get you know uh, at least a second head coach. I, I don't know the answer here. My biggest concern, well, my two biggest concerns when it comes to Justin Fields, one is an accuracy question, which has been there throughout his career. And, and the second one is goes to actually your point a little bit of his usage. Mm-hmm. Because if you are a team that does want to use him running the ball, there needs to be a fine line there because last year the way they used him was not sustainable. Correct. They were running him for. They were running him like they were running a running back. Well, we've all seen what happens to running backs in the NFL, right, wrong, or indifferent. Which is they wear out pretty quickly. The injury rate is very high, 
you can't necessarily have that with a guy that's your franchise quarterback. It's the same problem that confronted Cam Newton in his career and really, in a lot of ways, shortened the effectiveness of his career. It's the same questions that have surrounded Josh Allen over the last two or three years and really early in his career when he was running the ball and taking the hits Mm -hmm. that he was. The difference with Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson is very adept at being able to avoid those big hits, of skirting out of bounds, of knowing where to position his body. Justin Fields was taking big hits a lot. Too many. That would be the biggest concern for me, along with the accuracy issues, when you're talking around building around Justin Fields and giving him a contract extension at some point, because that's part of this calculus and conversation too. Is he your long-term guy? If he is, then you go with it. If he's not, then you're moving on. And – I don't know if they're going to, you know, people are like, oh, well, he has two more games. He could change. It's a moment to moment league. He can change their minds. I don't know if he can, but two good performances down the stretch combined with what he's done coming back from that thumb injury, that only increases his, his draft, or excuse me, his trade stock if the Bears want to move on. And the only team I can think of right now that has an immediate need at quarterback. Like, I mean, Washington, you can throw in the mix. But, like, I think of the the Atlanta Falcons, the team that you cover for ESPN.com. Like, there's all this fodder, and all it is is fodder right now. Nobody has any sources that are telling them, like, anything concrete on this. Could you see a scenario next year or in the offseason, a couple months from now, where the Falcons trade for Justin Fields to upgrade what see, they currently have? Could I see a scenario? Yeah, I can see a scenario. But here's the thing to think about here, Courtney. They had the opportunity to take Justin Fields, who is from just outside Atlanta in the draft in 2021. They took Kyle Pitts instead of Justin Fields, even though they knew that Matt Ryan was coming toward the end of his career. They could have given Justin Fields the opportunity to learn under Matt Ryan so they could learn Justin Fields, and they passed on that. That Mm -hmm. speaks volumes to me of maybe how the Falcons think about Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. And I, I have not had anybody say that to me, you know, it's just to be point, very though. clear. That's my observation. But if I do remember what it was. And Arthur Smith's talking at about uh, 95 to 100 minutes or so. And he'll get asked about Justin Fields, I'm sure. But go back in that game last year, Courtney, and how the Bears used him. I remember him saying this at the podium after because we asked about Justin Fields and, and containing him. And they basically said, well, the Bears are using him almost like a running back. And he got hurt in that game and he because got hurt he took in that a game. massive like that, hit that, running towards the sideline. Yeah, that to me says, you know, that that's a question. To, and that's a, to somewhat it's a misnomer in an Arthur Smith mm-hmm. offense because accuracy is a very key metric in an Arthur Smith offense. And we have seen that that comes and goes with Justin Fields. Am I right, Courtney, or am I wrong there? There's moments. There's definitely a lot to like about him. There's definitely a lot that remains a question. But we'll leave it here. There's plenty more to get to on this, which we will throughout the course of the week. But coming up next, the most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. It's ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. So what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go visit your parents, hang out with friends and catch a movie? They're all solid options, but what about devoting time to yourself? Maybe taking up a personal hobby you've put off. With everything in your life that you handle, work, picking the kids up from school, running errands, you never really get enough me time. The best way to squeeze that time into your schedule is to first understand your own personal value and then make yourself a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you 
so you can do more of it. Prioritizing mental health is an important part of my life. Let BetterHelp empower you to be the best version of yourself and guide you along the journey of becoming a better you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We survived a terrible, terrible moment in our history. The most unsportsmanlike moment of the day. That was terrible. Was not a great look. ESPN Radio, as you covered for bowl game action, tune in tonight for the Duke's Mayo Bowl, followed by the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Say that 10 times fast. Coverage beginning 5 p.m. Eastern time. On ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin and Mike Rothstein here on Unsportsmanlike. I would say my most unsportsmanlike moment of the day is what's going to happen during that Duke's Mayo Bowl when they crown a winner, <laughs> whether it's West Virginia, whether it's UNC. I hate mayonnaise. I have a taste aversion to it. I'm very squeamish when I see it just doused on the head coach or people dipping Oreos in it. I, I, I'm all for the edible trophy like what we saw with the pop tarts bowl tony the tiger bowl with all the frosted flakes etc the great toastery bowl whatever but the duke's mail bowl i can't do it i can't do it i'm not a male person so i would i think i'd purposely lose the game if i uh <laughs> if i played on one of the teams you're gonna throw the game because you might get doused in, in mayo it's like the indy 500 i would slow up heading towards the finish line because I don't like milk. I've never had a glass of milk as an adult, and I would be terrified if they made me throw what? that on my head. No, whoa, whoa. You've never had milk? I had it Do as you a, like as cheese? A... Do you like other dairy-based products? Yeah, but I don't. I will not drink a glass of milk. Like, Why? I would, because I don't like it. I, as, a, as a kid, I would have it. Like, you know, in a, as a, in like a toddler, like in a bottle or a sippy cup. But then my mom tried to get me to drink it when I was like four after I was transitioning to, you know, like people cups, adult cups. Um, and I just wouldn't drink it. Not chocolate milk, not, not uh, you know, that, anything what, like that. Wait, what's wrong with like a sippy cup as an adult? There's a, bo- there's a coffee shop I in I don't LA. like milk. It's gross. Well, I, I, I was moving to the sippy cup. Not You're just not going to have strong bones when you grow up. I'm fine. I'm 33 years old, and I am just fine. My calcium intake. You know where I get my calcium intake? You say intake? that now. When you're in 43, my your bones will feel it. In my Celsius. You know how much calcium's in here? 50 milligrams. Pat. There's a lot of biotin. A lot too. of biotin. You got 2,000% of your daily biotin now that you've also had two Celsius. A lot Celsii. of caffeine. A lot of caffeine. All right. So I, get, I basically just like jumped the shark here and gave you my own sports and like moment of the day. Mike, what's yours? 
Mine is Pat. Pat was not a good sport when we did uh, karaoke sing-along about an hour ago, uh, much to the uh, chagrin of uh, one Twitter user whose name I will not mention, but he, he was not pleased with our singing. But Pat, you know, he, he was kind of a chicken. I did the bop bop bars. That doesn't count because I did those too, count. and I don't give ba, myself ba, nearly ba. as much credit as I probably deserve. So for singing my own sportsman like that. that's my own sportsman like moment of the day is that Pat just didn't want to be a team player. Uh, yeah, I get that. I think that Pat is uh, contrarian by design here, and maybe one of these days we'll be able to trick him into doing something he doesn't want to do. I mean, you did throw Cam under the bus on that by putting it up as my tease, and I went Ron Burgundy on you because uh, I only read what is on the Zoom screen for me to tease. Yeah, that's also my unsportsmanlike moment was the peer pressure that was forced <laughs> upon me. I have another one, though, from earlier in the week. Okay. Uh, on Christmas, Courtney and Aaron Goldhammer were – hosting a show that I was producing and we did a Christmas songs draft and Courtney's third pick was St. Brick by Gucci Mane. Yeah, I thought that was a questionable decision <laughs> and, I awesome wanted, and I wanted to bring it up now. Well, let me just tell you, I didn't want anybody stealing my draft pick. You know, yeah, some no one was manager, taking that. Yeah, I think Trust you were me. safe. You I were fine you were there. Safe there. The that man like has an album. Song. And, and Aaron did. Aaron did draft Aaron took the, the Adam, song Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Good job, Aaron Goldman. And he, he also took the Lonely Jew from South Park. He went on brand for <laughs> his religion because he doesn't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Right? We, we made yeah. it a Christmas Same. and a holiday. He picked song two Hanukkah songs, and neither were Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel. Because but he said okay, he hates because, that song. Uh, dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel is like a children's. And he says he hears his children, his daughter Stella, and all of her friends that are five years old singing it incessantly. Oh, it it must be ingrained in his head like the USC fight song gets ingrained in your head when you've covered a USC football game. Because once you hear it, it's just stuck in there. So I understand that. I'm totally there with Aaron. Uh, I mean, that's like akin to when I was hosting July 4th. And we did like the top five Amer- because over the summer we were doing top five American like or top five everything like leading into the NFL season. But it was July fourth, so we changed mm-hmm. it. We did top five American songs, and because I was coming off of like my Eurovision kick, all of my top five American songs were actually by British or Australian <laughs> or Swedish artists. About America. Well, because like- that was the bit. Oh, wait, can I get okay? So like, they're not like it's not like a song that's about the United States that's sung. No, okay, right got it, got now, it, some it. of them had like people thought maybe they would be because they're played in like it's like arena rock, some arena rock, got like it. some ACDC. They're not an American band, you know, for instance. So stuff like that. So okay. I get it. I like get it. I like going off brand when we're talking about those drafts and lists. Maybe we, Pat, maybe we can do one Thursday or Friday. That's probably a no from him. That's yeah. like vote, of, vote of confidence seemed very lacking there. Hey, Javante, do you have one? We lost, but Tom Gore said we we're going to be okay. Don't panic, Pistons fan. <laughs> I like, by the way, I like that. That, that I like that Javante said Pistons fan because it's down to one. It's down to Javante. I don't know. I heard a lot of fans there in Little Caesars Arena I last did. night chanting to sell the team. Maybe, maybe at some point, the peer pressure that we put on Cam this morning, they can do the same to Tom Gore. Let's keep in mind that is a disaster. That Pat pegged Javante in the head with a football, and that still wasn't his most unsportsmanlike moment. <laughs> That's how bad the Pistons are. I forgot are. it happened. Yeah. He's already had memory loss from it. Yeah, he, he, has, he got concussed from that football. There's going to be a workman's comp. You're lucky. You probably forgot the singing, soon. too. Well, we can do more of it tomorrow. Mike and I are back here on Unsportsman <laughs> no. Thursday and Friday. There's not the going to be a tomorrow. The, yes, there will be. There's always a tomorrow. And tomorrow is always going to be brighter than today. Straight ahead, Greeny with Mike Wells and Braden Gall right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 
for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.